In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Hello and greetings to you if uh, you are watching online. Uh, and special greetings to you if you are watching from uh, Heavenly Hove, uh, Opulent Oasis, or Shekinah Shoreham. Um, it's, it's my privilege to be uh, bringing the word of God to you in this way, uh, particularly uh, today as we uh, look to complete our Advent series. Uh, we spent the last two or three weeks um, looking at the introductory lines, verses to the gospel according to, to John. And what we've already seen uh, is that John is telling the Christmas story uh, from a, a different angle to uh, the, the, the wonderful shepherds and, and stars of, of Matthew and, and Luke. Uh, John instead focuses on the, the theological themes that underpin the, the drama of the Christmas story. And in so doing... <laughs> John is treating us to some of the, the Bible's finest treasure. It's almost like he's, he's reaching in the bag and, and saying, look, here are some of the riches. And he does so to inspire our worship. So we, we don't just kind of see Jesus as this uh, guy that walked the earth 2,000 years ago uh, and, and did a few pretty cool miracles. But we see him for who he truly is. <laughs> so that ultimately, as he says later on in his uh, gospel, that we might believe in him. Uh, and, and so that's very much where John is, is going with all this. Um, he, I guess he, he wants us ultimately to, to know Jesus. And I mean like know him, know him. 
Because the, the difference between knowing Jesus and, and, and knowing Jesus really is the difference between getting tickets for the World Cup final for Christmas uh, versus getting a Lynx Africa gift set for Christmas. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, the link, thanks to inflation, uh, the Lynx Africa gift set costs just as much as tickets to the World Cup final. You'll be pleased to know. Uh, I, I recently checked in the, the local Asda. And, uh, and uh, you laugh. Um, well, actually, quite frankly, I don't know if you're laughing at all. Um, uh, you know, this whole setup, the camera and all that kind of thing. Um, but if you are laughing, uh, and I hope you are, uh, you shouldn't be. So I hope you don't. Because under your Christmas tree right now, most likely is one of these gift sets. And so um, have, have fun sort of opening uh, that up uh, on, Christmas, on Christmas Day. And, and look, while we're here, I thought, let's, let's, let's do this. So wherever you are, if you're, if, particularly if you're at one of our sites, if you have ever uh, given a Lynx gift set for Christmas or been given, received one, Lynx Africa or whatever it is, uh, raise your hand. Let, let, let's see you right in the sites. Let, let's see. Obviously, I can't see you, but a, a, a few years ago, I asked the same question and I was shocked that basically every guy in the audience kind of put their hand up. And, and the reason I was shocked was because I genuinely thought I was the only person that from friends received Lynx Africa because, well, you know, um, but, but I wasn't. Uh, and, and it was actually a, a really nice surprise. Uh, and so, uh, so there you go. Um, but you'll be pleased to note that uh, this part of the Bible doesn't actually talk about uh, Lynx Africa. Um, the Bible does talk about it a bit later on when it talks about Satan, um, but uh, not in this passage, I'm afraid. Um, but I digress. Back to John. Uh, so th this is what John starts off uh, by saying. He, he, he kicks off no pun intended, World Cup final today, um, by calling Jesus the word of God. And uh, we, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. This is what it says in, in John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word of God. It, it goes on to say in our passage, verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And if you've been a Christian for a few years, it's, it's quite easy actually to become over familiar uh, with uh, this divine title, the, the word of God. It's, it's easy for it to lose its spine tingling significance. A significance that isn't at all lost on John, however, the writer, he, he, he understands this this title, word of God, to be, to be loaded. And I think Christ would have us recover uh, something of the wonder of this divine title, the word of God, for us to become children once more. And in an effort to become children, to, to ask a simple question. What does it actually mean that Jesus is the word of God? And I guess I'd start off by, by saying this, that uh, the word of God is a, a description and a designation. It's a description because um, as a title, it, it does 
what it says on the tin. It, it, it talks about Jesus' role and function. It describes who he is and, and what he does. But it's also a, a designation in that it's a, a title that's been given to him. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like his name, if you like. And this isn't the Bible just being weird. Uh, we, we do this in our culture. Uh, if, if you were to go to a, a wedding, for instance, to, to call someone the father of the bride is a description. It's a descriptive title. It, it, it tells you precisely who the person is, who the guy is. He's the bride's dad, the father of the bride. But you and I know that the father of the bride, it, it's so much more than just a description because it's also a, a, a title that he receives a title that on a wedding day carries with it a great privilege and honor. So that on the wedding day, you, really, you rarely hear, where's Barry gone? No, no, instead you hear, where's the father of the bride? Why? Well, because it's a, it's, it describes him, but it's also a title that's been designated to him. We see the same principle in sports, particularly in combat sports, where the top guy in the division is called the champ. It both describes and it designates. So what does, what does Jesus being the word of God mean and how it describes Jesus? And I'll put it like this. The word, as the word of God, Jesus not only speaks the words of God, speaking with authority on his behalf, as word of God, Jesus is in himself the message. To say Jesus is the word of God is really to say that Jesus is what God has to say. And our passage tells us, it says, no one has ever seen God, God the Father, because he, he is hidden. Which means just as your thoughts can't be known in the world, unless they are communicated, so too God the Father's thoughts can't be known in the world unless they are communicated. And the way God communicates his mind and heart is by sending his word, which is to say by sending Jesus. And, and Jesus would seek to explain this phenomena to us in John chapter 12, verse 49, as he articulates the peculiarities of what it, looks like practically for him to be the, the word of God. He explains it to us in this way. He says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Hmm. So the father has given me what to say and what to speak. Uh, which means just as your thoughts send forth your words to disclose your mind and heart, so too God's thoughts send forth his word, that is Jesus, to disclose his mind and heart. And, and this is why God has created you and I in the way that he has. That, that we think first and then we speak to, to kind of understand something of how God speaks in Christ. 
Think first and then we speak. And if you're one of these people that kind of speak first and, and then think second, aside from ruining my nice little analogy here, um, uh, you are also a great fun to have at the Christmas dinner table. And I'll tell you why. Uh, because uh, each year, up and down the country, families, friends will, will gather around, sit down, and you know, you're having, a, having a nice little meal. And, and from time to time, there's, there's someone that uh, kind of drops a clangor. Uh, they, they, they kind of speak without thinking or they say something insensitive or they say something unnecessarily controversial. Uh, and if we're being honest, it's, it's usually an uncle of some sort. And, um, you know, how about them orphans type thing? And, um, and, and, and it's, it's very awkward. And there's that moment where it's silent and it's like, oh my word. And everybody has kind of heard. We, we can't pretend like we didn't hear, hear what was just said. And nine times out of 10, it's fascinating. What happens next, I love. It, it's usually a female member of the family. Uh, they will usually kind of clear their throat and say this. <clears throat> um, do you mind passing the carrots, please? Like every time. That, that's what happens. It's like uh, to a fault, uh, up and down the country. And it's interesting because it's, it's almost always the carrots. It's never kind of, can you pass the, the stuffing, please, or the turkey? It's, it's always carrots. I don't know. Maybe there's just something innocent about these kind of carrots all kind of on top of one another, something that's uniting about them. I, I don't know. It, it, that's, it's just always the carrots. So for me, uh, my general strategy for uh, the Christmas lunch is to, to make sure the carrots are as far away from me as possible on the other side of the table, uh, just as a precaution in the event of a Christmas emergency. All that to say that we, are, are we, we think first and then we speak. Why? Uh, because God's thoughts originate with the Father in that respect and the Father communicates through his word, that is through Jesus. And in turn, Jesus himself, he communicates via the person called the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the Holy Spirit, the word spirit means breath. So uh, Jesus is the word of God and the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. Jesus communicates the word via this breath. And Jesus seeks to explain again in the book of John, the role of the Holy Spirit in how he speaks uh, to, to, to explain his role in this whole thing. Uh, he says this in John chapter 16, verse 13 of the Holy Spirit, that he will not speak on his own authority, but whether he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Whatever he hears, he will speak. What does the Holy Spirit hear to speak to you? Well, well, the word of God. He hears Jesus. And so I thought, what is the, the most simple way of articulating this? What's the, if, if I were to explain it to a four-year-old, how would I explain it? And the best way I can, I can put it is this. Um, if you imagine the Holy Spirit as kind of like a mobile phone that, of course, you, you always have on you, um, the voice that you're hearing through the phone directly is Jesus's voice. You're, you're hearing Jesus. It's his voice you're hearing. And what Jesus is communicating to you is the, the mind and heart and will of the hidden father that no one has ever seen. So the father has spoken to us and Jesus is speaking to you directly. 
and he's speaking to you by the mobile phone. And you don't focus on the mobile phone uh, when you're speaking to someone. You're, you're, you're engaged with the person that's directly speaking to you. And, and that's something of what it means in this regard for Jesus to be kind of the word of God. All that to say that Jesus, uh, he speaks with authority because Jesus therefore speaks from God. Uh, Jesus speaks as God. Uh, Jesus speaks um, for God as the definitive message of God. And we see this distinction between uh, how Jesus speaks and how the, the prophets of the Old Testament speak. Uh, the Old Testament, for those of us that don't know, is that the period from the creation of the world to about uh, four or five hundred years before the birth of Jesus, that long period. And what God would do is he would send prophets, these authorized men to, to speak on his behalf. And, and these prophets, uh, so often as they were communicating these messages from God, would say, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. At Christmas one happens, Jesus is born and Jesus would come not saying, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. Rather, Jesus would come saying to you, I say unto you. Truly, truly, I tell you. Why? Well, because Jesus is the Lord. Uh, Jesus, Jesus is the Lord that was the word in the mouth of the prophets. That's not to say that Jesus is this kind of disembodied kind of voice. Uh, Jesus isn't uh, like the, 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 the microphone speaker with sandals. Uh, that's not who he is. To, to, to think that way would be, would be wrong. Uh, God's kind of not in heaven speaking on the mic and Jesus is just kind of telegraphing it. No, Jesus is, Jesus is very God. He's God in his own right. God with a mind, a God with a will. Uh, we see in Luke chapter 22, Jesus prays to his father in heaven and says, not my will, but yours be done. Meaning he, Jesus, has his own will. Yet, in the kind of perfect oneness of God, uh, Jesus' highest will is to do his father's will. Meaning this is, this is something of, of what uh, the word of God means as a description of Christ. But, but what does, I guess, the word of God mean as a designation for Christ, uh, as a title for him, as, as a kind of like a name for him? And it's interesting, we see this a title used in, in how John speaks. Uh, the, the readers, the Greek readers uh, of the introductory uh, verses to the Gospel of John would have, would have been it was electric, to, it would have been electric to them because John is playing on their thinking. Uh, John, John writes his gospel in, in Koine Greek. Uh, Koine Greek, which was the, the, the most commonly spoken language of the, of the day. It's kind of a midway between ancient Greek and, and modern Greek. And, and, and in, 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 in writing, uh, he, he calls Jesus uh, the Logos. The Logos. He says, in the beginning was the Logos. And Logos was basically the Greek word for word. It was the Greek word for word. And, and in Greek, um, uh, in Greek um, uh, philosophy, <laughs> in Greek philosophy, the Logos uh, had something of a life of its own. Uh, because the Logos was seen as this kind of mysterious creative force. The, 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 this kind of 
abstract, uh, mysterious, uh, 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 intelligent mind of the universe. This source of, uh, of wisdom and, and knowledge that you, you could never truly get to know. And we, we in Brighton, we are honorary Greeks. We, 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 we think just like the, the ancient Greeks of this, of this day. We, we increasingly speak in terms of logos, that, that great, mysterious, abstract, intelligent mind, that, that, that great source of wisdom and knowledge that you could never know. We just have a different name for it. We call it the universe. So that, so that it, it, the universe must have wanted us to meet today. The universe had it in for me. It must not have been in the, the universe's plans. Vague, abstract, impersonal, opaque. And John here sees Greece's logos and says, okay, okay. Uh, did you know that? Did you know that he became a man? Did you know that the logos became flesh and dwelt amongst us? And in so doing, John declares this logos as not impersonal, but a person, not far, but near, not not random, but purposeful, not vague, but clear. The, 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 John declares here that the, that the person behind Greece's Logos is the same person behind Brighton's universe. And that person is Jesus Christ, the word of God. Because Jesus is the Logos that formed the cosmos out of the chaos. And in so doing, John takes Greek philosophy and forms Christian theology taking this title replete with meaning and ascribing it to Jesus. And this, this has significance for you. This has huge significance. Why? Because what, what the Bible is saying is that the, the force that you suspected was kind of running things, whatever, whatever you called it, it is, is, is not cold, but is warm. Like really warm. It's a person. It's Jesus. It's it's saying it's saying that he he is warm towards you. <laughs> so so warm, in fact. And to prove to you that he's warm, he would become warm. Warm with fingers and and toes. Warm with a a heart, a pulse, a nose. Warm with eyes to to to, to look at you. Full of grace and truth warm <laughs> full of grace and truth he says and in a world full of neither grace nor truth but increasingly misinformation disinformation half truths and and really lies Jesus comes to you telling the truth he comes telling the truth about you telling the truth about the world telling the truth about god telling the the truth about the time to come telling the truth about salvation telling the truth about the afterlife jesus comes telling the truth uh, and he doesn't just tell the truth jesus 
offers himself as the truth. He claims to be the truth. Jesus is the truth with hair. And he speaks the truth with a grace that we do not deserve. Uh, with God graciously returning your evil for good, graciously returning your sin for his favor, graciously returning your, your, uh, your dishonor for his honor, graciously returning your crimes for his Christ. Grace. Grace is a, a crown you wear. It's a display of his affection. And he declares you a son, an heir. He answers your prayers. He takes upon himself your burdens and cares. Through faith in Jesus, grace makes you a spiritual billionaire. It's, it's, too, it's too good not to sing about. It really is. And how, how is Jesus described here? He says, John says he is full of this stuff. He says, full of grace and truth. He says, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, he says. In fact, John describes Jesus as gracious uh, four times in five verses. Uh, you want to know what Jesus is like in kind of a summary <laughs> in five verses? Grace, truth, grace, 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 truth. Grace, truth, grace, 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 truth. In, in that order. That's how John writes. <laughs> Friend, are you, um, are, you, are you asking the people that know Jesus what, what he's like? <laughs> the people that have walked with him for years. Have you, are, you, are you consulting his, his, his best friends? John, his, his, his best friend on earth when he walked the earth. Because I tell you, if you were to ask them what Jesus is like in summary, they would say, grace, truth, grace, 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 truth. That's what they would say. Or are you looking at uh, blogs, articles, podcasts from people that don't know him, people that don't really care about him, that, to be honest, hate him? Let me ask you to come and, and come to the source material. Come to the people that walked with him and because they know him best. And this, this is good news because it means that with Jesus being full of this grace and truth, he, he, he likes you. He likes you. He's warm towards you. And, and, and he doesn't just kind of, he didn't just become warm at Christmas um, and then die and then remain in the grave and like get cold, dead in the grave. No, the fullness of the story is that Jesus gets raised from the dead, raised up warm with, 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 with fingers and toes and a pulse and a heart and, and eyes to look at you. He, he, he remains warm to you, dear friends. Which is to say that because the word became flesh, because of the resurrection, the word remains flesh. Jesus remains forever warm to you through faith. And there's more. I'll end on this. John says something that's, um, I guess, fairly controversial when you actually think about what he says. He says, uh, no one has ever seen God, the only God. Uh, he's, re he's referring to God the Father there. Uh, no one 
has ever, aside from Jesus, no human being has ever seen the Father. Like, ever. That's, that's what it says. Uh, which is interesting because uh, there are people in the Old Testament period that legit see God. <laughs> Isaiah was one such person who in chapter six of verse, uh, excuse me, chapter six of his prophecy would say this. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high, lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. John says, no one has seen the father. Adam, Adam and his wife Eve, they saw God in Eden, the Garden of Eden. The Hebrew of Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 literally says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. They saw him and they hid from him. John says, no one has seen the father. Moses saw God. Moses saw God, and not only did he see God, the Bible itself says the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Uh, Moses would famously ask to see God's face, to see his glory, and, and, and God would show Moses his back. John says, no one has seen God. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he, that is Jesus, has made him known. It is Jesus who, in his office of the word of God, makes God the Father known to us. It is Jesus that is the one that is the communicator of God's image. We, we, we see this through John himself later on in this gospel. In John chapter 12, verse 41, he says, the person that Isaiah saw was Jesus. He says this, Isaiah said these things because he saw the glory, that is Jesus' glory, and spoke of him. Jesus was the, the Lord God that was sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, the train of his robe filling the temple long before he was even born. In the beginning, Adam heard the, the, the voice of the Lord walking. Uh, let me ask you this. How can a, a voice walk? It's because to say that he heard the voice of God walking is really to say he heard the word of God walking. It, it was Jesus who was presencing himself in the garden amongst his man and his woman in the very beginning. And Moses, it says, Paul is in agreement with, with, with John here. Moses spoke with God face to face. Uh, uh, Paul says in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, he says that um, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the invisible God. Uh, John says, puts it this way, no one has ever seen God, uh, but Jesus is his, his image which is to say that the person that Moses was speaking with all along, it was Jesus. Uh, just as Moses was speaking to Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 17 in the passage that we call the transfiguration. Jesus says this, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? 
whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And it's only now, it's only now, with all this Old Testament history, uh, Greek philosophy and theology, that something of the weight of what John is saying in this passage can begin to be understood. He comes in saying, and the word became flesh. <laughs> this being, this one, this word of God, image of God, message of God, this one that speaks for God, from God, as God, this one became flesh, <laughs> dwelt amongst us. It's, it's enough to make you spit your drink out. <laughs> But is it? Because this has always been God's desire to, 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 to get to you, to reach out, to, 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 to be with his people, to, to live with you. God, God, God wants to speak to you like we heard he spoke to Moses. God wants to walk with you like we heard he walked with Adam. God wants to come to you, like we heard he came to the prophets, Isaiah. Why? God, God wants to presence himself with you. He, he did that at Christmas by coming in Christ, and he wants to do that today, coming in your heart, presencing himself, tabernacling himself, which is a, a word that's used here that we haven't got the time to go into. So, so why all this? <laughs> why all this? Why painstakingly go through all, all of this Old Testament history, uh, Greek philosophy and theology? Why, 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 why go through such lengths to prove these matters? Well, so that you can see Jesus isn't boring for one but also so that you can see something of the wonder that this divine being, this person, the word of God would come down and seek to be your friend. He wants you to really know him because he really, really knows you. Jesus didn't come down at Christmas to uh, lay down the law. Uh, no, uh, the passage says the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't come to um, make you feel guilty, to, to rub salt in the wound. Some of you, that's exactly what you, you think. You, you feel that if Jesus was to meet with you now, he would kind of... Uh, uh, make you feel bad and, and, and show you how bad you've done and how, f how far you sh fall short of God. And he'd come sh shaking his head and shaking his fist. I tell you, that, that, that's, that's not it at all. <laughs> it's the opposite. Jesus came to take away your sin, to take away your guilt, the shame that you feel, to, to forgive you. He did. And he wants you to, to know him personally, to know him as the forgiver of your sin, for you to approach him and just say sorry. And he, right now, I tell you, 
I tell you, he is, he, he sat at the right hand side of God, the Bible says, but I tell you right now, he's on the edge of his seat. He's on his, he's ready and waiting to forgive you. That's, what he, that's all he wants to do. He wants to come and cover you. <laughs> Toby, how do you know? How do you know? How can you know for sure? <laughs> I've done some bad stuff. I've done some really rotten stuff in my life. And even the stuff that, quite frankly, I've, I've done, and I knew it was wrong when I was doing it, and I still did it anyway. How can you know <laughs> that this Jesus wants to forgive me? And he's gracious and true. Well, friend, let me say this. It's not my place to give you my word, to prove to you that Jesus is gracious and true. Because, because of Christmas, God has already given you his word. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you so much that, uh, Lord, you would... <laughs> you would give us your son, your very word. Lord, it's, it's, he is your oath. He is your guarantee. He is your promise, literally, in every way possible. Jesus is the great promise, the promise from God. Thank you, Lord, that your promise is to, um, through faith in him, be gracious to us, to speak the truth to us. Thank you that you, you're warm towards us, that you, you care about us, you, you, you like us. <laughs> Thank you for the, the wonder of this great mystery. That we, we don't pretend to fully understand all of it, Lord, by no means. But thank you, Lord, that you've given us enough to kind of see something of, of who Jesus is as the word of God. Lord, we, we, we marvel once again at Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen.